0: All right, before we jump into the message today, I have a couple of things to note. Uh, if you are a young adult and you're not already plugged into a Bible study, we have a brand new class, a Bible study that will be starting on Sunday morning in mid-August. And uh, Mark Sweeney and Kyle Lynch will be uh, leading that class. So if you're in your twenties, thirties, you're like, you know, I'm just looking to find some way to plug into church and uh, don't know exactly how to do that outside of coming to the Sunday morning worship gathering. We'll have more information uh, in the next few weeks, but I just really encourage you to uh, to think about that and pray about that. And also, uh, can someone tell me what is coming up this next Sunday, a week from today? That's why I asked for it, Joseph. Yes, let's give it up. Come on. Joseph is excited uh, about vacation Bible school. Um, We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, It's one week away, and uh, if you are if you're working in Bible school, we really need your help on Saturday. Uh, On Saturday at 1:30 in the afternoon, this coming Saturday, we're going to do what's called a VBS Blitz. We're going to meet here at the church. We're going to have flyers about Vacation Bible School. And then we're going to go out for an hour or so and just blanket some areas here uh, in Rocky Mount. Just go door to door. And if the people come to the door, that's awesome. You can invite them and their family to come to VBS. If they're not there, you can leave it on the door. If you are absolutely, completely terrified of people, you can just leave it in the door. Or you can make a paper airplane and throw it from your car uh, at their house. So all that we're saying here is that we need people to do this. We've done this every, I think the last three or four years, we've done this the Saturday before. Because like some of us, we forget events. Y'all okay? Alright, sometimes we forget, so we want to do it the day before as a first reminder or a second reminder, so we would love for you to be able to come uh, and do that. We have pre-registration forms, so if you're already plugged in here, you're like, I'm totally bringing my kids to Vacation Bible School, I'm going to be a good parent and bring my children to vacation Bible school like you're you're already there. Go ahead and sign up so that'll help us on a Sunday night with the registration process because we don't just want people's kids coming here. We have no idea who they are, whose kids they are, and we lose people's kids. All right, so we have to have registration, a way you can help us, and we can get you registered before it actually starts. You can do that right after the service today. Um, decorating the rooms next Saturday. Those of you who have the spiritual gift to decorate, 4 o'clock. Church is going to be open. Tear it up um, with the decorating. And then uh, after church on Sunday, uh, Angela will lead you guys after next Sunday, uh, any last minute details that need to uh, to happen for Vacation Bible School. This is the biggest children's outreach event we did. We do all year. Last year, I think we had 167 uh, for, for a vacation Bible school. And that was the most that we've ever had in the history of Rocky Mount Baptist Church since 1879. Let's just give the Lord praise for that. Amen. It's awesome. It's awesome. And here's the thing. The Lord gets the glory for all that. We don't get it. I don't get it. It all goes to him. But here's the cool part about being able to serve Jesus is that the glory goes to him. It's about him. It's for him. But when we're able to connect with people and use relationships that God has given us so that God uses us to bring people to him, we get joy. We don't get the glory, but we get the joy. See the difference? And so God can use you in an incredible way. So let's not let this year fall through the cracks. Let's do work. And we have actually even an adult's class that are going to study the Bible. So if you're, here's the thing, if you're new to church or if you even have friends that are like, man, I don't... I, I just don't know. Like I don't I I mean who was Moses' second sister? I just don't know. I need to know. It's gonna be a large group teaching session. Ben is gonna wax eloquent with that. It's gonna be great. So we'll even have for parents that may live across the county. Your kids can be here. They'll be have awesome stuff to do, and there will also be adult stuff, and you can meet new friends. Y'all ready? Let's do it. All right. So let's turn in our Bibles and get to work here. Matthew chapter seven. We're gonna be there in verse. Number 12. One verse today. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. These are the words of Jesus. And he says, So, and you can translate this, Therefore, so, or now, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, Do also to them. Notice how important this is. Jesus says, for this. What's the this? Whatever you wish that others would do to you, Do Also to them for this is the law and the prophets. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever read the Old Testament and got hung up on some detail? Have you ever been there? You're reading through, you hear a story and you're just like, man, that's, I don't really understand how some of that stuff relates. Like how do you break down the Old Testament? How do you understand that in relation to the New Testament? Notice what Jesus does in this big idea. He says you can summarize the law and the prophets in one simple statement. It's basically love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever you would want people to do to you, do to them. That is the law and the prophets. You see, in our culture, we love... Those of you that are on Twitter, it's 140 characters, right? We love tweetable things. We love when we're in conversation with someone... And they give detail after detail after detail after detail. And you simply asked, how was lunch? (laughs) 30 minutes later, man, you're still getting details. Details are good, but it's kind of like water, right? Water, you need it to live. But if you don't know what to do with a lot of it, you can drown. And sometimes when we come to the Old Testament, especially, it seems like all these rules and and regulations and all of these details. And sometimes we're like, man, I think I'm drowning, but I know it's God's word. But what do I actually do with it? How do I understand it? Here Jesus brings chapter 5. If you've been with us the past few months, we have covered subjects such as anger. We have covered subjects such as lust, adultery, divorce, swearing oaths. Being trustworthy, retaliation, the old adage, do to others before they do unto you. You've covered love your enemies, giving to the needy. All of these things Jesus says, here it comes to a head, and I'm going to give you the simple version. If you could summarize all of it, here's what it means. If you're taking notes, Matthew chapter 22 and verses 34 through 40, the Pharisees, they had heard that Jesus had put the smack down on the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the people who believed that there was no afterlife, there was no spirit, there were no miracles, and uh, they gathered together, and a lawyer asked the question to Jesus. He said, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this is a trick question, trying to get him to put one above the other. But Jesus says, and some of you have heard this before, he says, love the Lord your God, With all of your, right, all of your heart, all of your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as whom? As yourself. He says on these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. So what we're gonna do this morning is hopefully, number one, clear up understanding the Old Testament for some of us, and then we're gonna see how radical what Jesus actually says here is. So let's go to the meat, then we're going to get to the application. Number one, here's some truths of the law of the Old Testament. Number one, the law and the prophets, in other words, the Old Testament shows us our duty. Or you could say it shows us our obligation, which is simply to love God with everything that we are. Every fiber of our being and love our neighbor as ourself. Here's another verse, Romans chapter 13 in verse number 8. The Apostle Paul says, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now check that out. Jesus, think about fulfilling the law. Some people get hung up and they think, I have to do all of these things to fulfill the law. Jesus says, if you love another person truly, you have fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up don't you love summaries in one word here we go in this word cliff notes you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is the fulfilling of the law another verse new testament galatians chapter 5 and verses 14 and 15 for the whole law is fulfilled in one word It's like, here it goes again. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Have you been in relationship, in friendship, in a work relationship with someone who it seems like they are almost a cannibal because they bite and devour other people through language? Have you been there? The Apostle Paul says that knife cuts both ways. Therefore, love is what builds people up, but selfishness is what destroys relationships. James chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, here's the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. So, the Old Testament was never given, please hear this, so that people... Could outline certain things and say, because I've done these things, therefore I'm accepted by God. The spirit of the law is love. Have you ever talked to a friend maybe or someone that, that is close to you and they raise this objection? The Old Testament God seems to be so angry and vengeful and wrathful. But the New Testament is all about grace. Have you ever heard something like that? Well, if we're reading God's Word accurately, number one, the God in the Old Testament is the same as the New Testament, but here's the thing. Because God loves us, He hates sin. You could use an illustration to say, well, because we love children, we hate what abortion does. Because we love children, we hate child molestation. Because we love children, we hate kidnapping and the brokenness that something like that would bring. So because God is love, He is angry at what causes damage to what He loves, you see. The law was never given so that we could justify ourselves and put ourselves against other people and say, because I have done more than them, therefore I'm in. You see, the law was given to let us know who God is. To know who God is. Um, you can think of it like, like this. The Old Testament is a codifying, an explanation of the law of God that is written on our hearts. For example, in most every culture around the world, they there there's some type of morality. People recognize some type of standard. And think about it in American culture. Even for some of our confused fellow Americans who say things like this. There is no absolute truth. There's no absolute right and wrong. It's simply your truth and my truth. Whenever we argue whether it's over what you want to eat for dinner or whether it's about a political point, the fact that we argue, go with me on this, thinkers, presupposes that we're arguing trying to get a person to come to the truth. Or the standard, whatever that may be. So the Old Testament reveals who God is. And not only that, the second truth about the Old Testament is that the law and the prophets show us ourselves as we really are. Romans chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20. Go ahead and note these down if you, if you take notes. And by the way, we remember a lot more when we take notes, don't we? Take them, look them up later. Romans three nineteen and 20. The Bible says, For we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. And here's the purpose. So that, parent, you'll love this. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So God is saying through his word, this is mind-blowing if you've been held up about the Old Testament, that the law was given to show you that you could never fully keep the law. Did you get that? I mean, it's almost like God, being God, knows us better than we know ourselves. Possible, right? Right? Some people think they know everything about everybody else, about themselves, and everything. God may know more than us if he really exists, and we know that he does. So here's the thing. If God knows more about us than we know about ourselves, maybe God sometimes gives us things that we don't think that we really need, but we really do. You see, most of us naturally... The way that we are naturally, if we have not been schooled by the word of God and been disciplined by godly parents, we are absolute terrors. The way you see an unbridled, full human being that has not had their sinfulness mitigated in any way is probably around the age of two. And you notice when kids begin to develop the concept of mind, The concept of, I'm hungry, therefore I'm going to scream until you feed me. I'm not worried about you, right, Dad? Like, you just got home, you just worked the whole day. Mom, I'm not worried about you. You've just been working the whole day. It's, It's me. That's little kids. But here's the thing. When we grow in our adulthood, we learn how to mask it different ways, don't we? We say things like this. Oh, it's no problem. It's totally a problem. Sometimes, well, no, 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 we're good, we're good. We are not good. And some of you guys know what this means. You say, how are you doing? And she says, fine. Doesn't mean that. We we, we can mask things, but the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, this ties into what Jesus is trying to get across, is that the reason why the law was given was to show us that we really are sinners. And we if we know that we're sinners, we know that we need God. If we think that we're good people, we just think we need a little church. Kind of like food, you know, just a little dash of Tony Sasheries, just some extra salt, some pepper, some Tabasco. For those of you that carry the Tabasco holster, my uncle did that. Got one person in here. If you know, I'm like, bro, like there's I mean, there's there's got you know, there's there's a group that meets somewhere for that to help. To carry it around. It's awesome. When it says the law was given to bring the knowledge of sin so that we will be brought to our knees and look to God. And it's so that every mouth may be stopped. Have you been in an argument, parents specifically with a child or grandparents with a child? Or those of you that God bless you, you work with children like in an educational way. We need to pray for our teachers, Right. And the child will not stop talking, justifying what they know that they did. It's like my little brother. My mom tells this story. This is like one of her, you know, sometimes parents, they have those stories that just repeat because they're just awesome. Justin, uh, she came in and, and she had told us, she said, don't take the cookies. The cookies are for after dinner. The urge hit and he could not resist. He's just this kid and he's got chocolate on his face. And she said, Justin, did you get into the cookies? No, (laughs) ma'am. Justin, honey, did you get into the cookies? Usually, you know, when mom lowers her voice, that's when you need to be very afraid. And he just with the with the evidence. And he said, no. And she says, Justin. Did you take cookies? And then the conviction of the Holy Spirit hit and he just broke and he started crying. Because you know as a parent there has to be a point to where the mouth is stopped. Think Judge Judy. Wouldn't you love to have her for your mom? No behavior problems at all. If you've ever wasted time watching that show, (laughs) I'm guilty. Don't judge me you'll notice that before she really lowers the boom, it's the... And it's the... Stop talking. To where the mouth stops and then the authority can give the truth. You see, Jesus is saying the Old Testament was given by God... Because even though we didn't deserve an Old Testament or a New Testament, what every single one of us naturally deserves is separation from God, His judgment, that means we go to hell. I mean, and it's a real place filled with real people, and we've repeated that over the last few weeks because we have to understand it's real. But yet God in His mercy gave us the law of love, and He gave it to us so that we will stop making excuses. John Piper says the commands of the Bible are more like a doctor's health prescription than an employer's job description. He's saying here's what's wrong and here is the cure. You think about it like this, a mirror. Does a mirror create the wreck that some of us see when we look into it when we get up in the morning? When we were supposed to have recovered during the night and that word called rest. The mirror doesn't create the mess, it simply exposes it. And, and let me just say this: Sometimes we think with church, and I've heard this so many times. When I was a pastor in Georgia, and here in Rocky Mount, some people—it's so kind. Like people say, "And Jeff, it's like it's like you've been reading my mail. Like I come in, and it's just like when you point your finger out." I'm just like, you know, doing a, and I can't really do it because of my bag of bobbing weed, but like I'm having to, to get out of the way because it seems like everything that you're saying is about me. And I'm like, I don't even know you. And sometimes we think that God, that preachers, Christians who are serving Jesus, try to create guilt. Like we go to church and sometimes we, we leave and we're like, well, you know, I think he was really trying to make me feel guilty Because if you can make me feel guilty, then I'll come back, right? And I'll do this and I'll do that. Here's the thing. The Word of God does not create, please hear this, does not create guilt. The Word of God, specifically the law and the prophets, simply opens our eyes to the guilt that's already there. That either we have pushed to the side because of excuses let's just be real for a minute none of us really like owning up to what we did and we know what we did we made a mistake it was wrong it was sin but we just don't want to own up to it because that means that there's no one to blame but me we like to push it off but god simply comes and he says it's there and because i love you i'm letting you know what's there a good doctor if they find a bad report is not going to just look over that mri and be like we found we found something and it's not good. But they look like they were having a great day. They've already had maybe a little bit of a strenuous day. I mean, they had an MRI. But what I'm going to do, because I don't want to upset them, is I'll just say, we're good. We're just like, like, that's crazy. That's insane. He would, he should, or she should lose the medical license to practice. That's, that's nuts. If you're a good doctor, you have to say what's wrong. And the law and the prophets show us what we should do, but on the flip side, it shows us that we could never actually do it. And that's the reason why so many of us are uncomfortable with God. Sometimes we drive by a church building. We know that the church is not the building, it's us, amen? Church, it's not the building and so forth. We can sometimes, I had one of my buddies, he says, man, sometimes like when I drive by a church, I just feel guilty. Sometimes when we see a Bible, we feel guilty. Sometimes when people see the pastor coming. <laughs> or sometimes when he knocks on the, on the door, you know, and they're like, nobody's home. <laughs> like we, 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 get, we get uncomfortable. Here, here's the reason. We get uncomfortable with God because God is the one who interferes with our selfishness. See, selfishness, and this, this is where we're getting into the application time. Selfishness and pride is always a major ingredient in any relationship problem. Any relationship problem. Marriage, friendship. You see, we want more. We want the other person to give us an apology. We don't want to give the apology that we know that we should. We want them to ask for forgiveness, but we don't really want to. We want them to take the first step in reconciliation. You see, we hold grudges, we withhold forgiveness, and we unleash anger, and God comes and He blows all of that to pieces. And that's the reason why some of us are uncomfortable with God, because He interferes with the idols in our life, which for most of us, if we could boil it down, boil it down, and boil it down, it's the idol of self. Notice how Jesus blows this to pieces. Verse 12 in chapter 7 of Matthew, he says, so whatever you wish, whatever you desire, I look this up in the Greek New Testament, and this word here is will, desire, want, to truly desire. I mean, it's a strong, in other words, whatever you really, 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 really want other people to do to you, do it to them. And notice Jesus says, for this is the law and the prophets. He's saying everything else that you've heard from the Pharisees. For example, guys, he says, they tell you that as long as you don't commit the physical act, you can still be faithful to your wife. I tell you if you even lust. Jesus says you've heard other people say, love your friends, but hate your, who? You hate your, your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Now let's stop right there for just a minute. Jesus says, "That's the point of the law. The point of the law is for us to be offended by an enemy, and during prayer time, when we give praises and prayer requests, and we had a beautiful prayer time on Wednesday night. Awesome. It's like this: There's someone that really did me wrong, shafted me on a business deal. They were a jerk. But I want to pray for them that God would bless them. You know what would probably happen? There'd be a lot of this. A lot of head turning. In a small group, Bible study, be like, this is going to be real. Like we're all for it. like we love each other, we're studying the word of God together. There's someone in my family that did something extremely wrong. I was rejected. I was treated like trash, just being honest. But what I want to do is I want to pray for them. Like, well, what do you want to pray? I'm going to pray an imprecatory psalm that God would destroy them, you know, and cause their house to burn. We can pray for them, you know, like one of those prayers. But no, Jesus says, love them, bless them that persecute you, pray for them that despitefully use you. Jesus even said, I mean, with the issue of divorce in that day, there were, it was all the men they had to control. There was even a school of thought that said, and I'm not even making this up. Some of you remember the sermon that if. The wife burned the meal. It was biblical, biblically justifiable grounds for divorce. Yeah. And you know what you, some of you ladies like, been divorced long time ago, right? If you were a lady, you couldn't do anything about it. You were, you were just out. You were kicked out. You were done. And the only way that you had to support yourself more than likely was a lifestyle of prostitution. Jesus is saying that's not the law. And Jesus says, even in the case of sexual immorality, this is very unpopular today, but this is what Jesus says. He says, in the case of marriage, even when there's biblically justifiable grounds for divorce, a.k.a. unfaithfulness, he says the reason why that exception was given was because you men have hard hearts. He says everything depends upon love. And so the question is this. For those of us that know Jesus, we have been saved. Do we live in such a way to where we have the other person in the forefront of our mind? We think, how would this be for them? Think about the way that you can apply this. If people, if there are certain things that you would rather not have done to you, don't do it to them. None of us like being gossiped about, right? You know, like hearings, you know, you, like you walk around the corner and two people are talking. and They're like, and they stop. Then it gets awkward. No, nobody likes that. So Jesus is saying, because you're my disciple, don't gossip about other people. Let's just be very real. Some people, this, I'm going to t- this, is going to, this is going to help some of you. There's a term called EGR. It's called extra grace required. Some people are just EGRs. Are they not? They're difficult. They cannot be pleased. Their standards are, are through the roof. But yet they treat other people in a dishonoring way. If you know that you don't like be treat, being treated that way, don't do it to other people. None of us like being yelled at. Come on. In the course of the home, like, like, and here's the thing, if you enjoy that, there's serious issues. If you cannot speak like the brothers of Joseph, it said they could not speak a word to him peaceably. You know why? They had so much bitterness and resentment build up towards him that no matter what he did, he couldn't do anything right. Have you been there? No one likes being in a home like that. No one enjoys fights like that. And if you do, it's a huge heart issue. Jesus is saying, not out of a sense of legalism, but here's where it comes to the point of the gospel. When you are dealing with difficult people, remember Jesus Christ. Isn't this the gospel? I mean, isn't this Jesus giving himself for us when he didn't really have to? Jesus coming and suffering for us when he could have stayed in heaven and God have, could have given a blanket judgment across the whole world and we would have all been guilty and God would have still been God. But Jesus says, you know what? I will go. I will become one of them. I will be born as a human and live in human existence with humans and they, ended, and they eventually killed him. And here's the beautiful part of the gospel, that when we see Jesus, when we see him as valuable, when we see him as the boss and as the Lord, everything begins to change. And for some of you that um, you've been saved for a while, your relationship with Christ may have faded. It's kind of like I was uh, at Moe's a few, uh, this is probably about a month ago, uh, Moe's, it's a burrito place. That, uh, is absolutely awesome. If you have not been to Moe's, I want to encourage you as your pastor, go to Moe's. Get the Joey bag of donuts. It's so good it'll make you want to slap your mama. It's awesome. And uh, there's this guy, and like he was new on the job. And man, I can, I, I, whenever they hand you that burrito, it's like, you know, about as big around as a truck tire. And then somehow they're able to get it in that little package and then wrap it up in foil and then give it to you. And this guy was like really new on the job. And he took forever on my burrito. He was, I mean, it was just like the whole world zoned out. I mean, people are waiting. And I'm just like, I love you. Like, I love you. You're spending extra time on my burrito. Thank you for being born. I mean, this guy, he, he was, he was just spending like intricate details and just wrapping and wrapping, making sure it was perfect. And then I've been to certain restaurants before and you know, they've been there a while and they would have rather been gone years ago. And it's just slapped on. I mean, you got a pickle hanging off the, you know, it's like, it's like not even on the hamburger. It's in the bag somewhere, you know, and you got like French fries. It's just, just all jacked up. Just like slap it together, throw it. But this guy spent time. He wanted to make sure he was doing the best that he could. And sometimes I think in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we can get sloppy. Y'all okay? You know, like, like we've been there, we've heard sermons, we've been saved, we're growing in Jesus Christ, and sometimes we can begin to slip. Something for all of us to remember is that Jesus does not love us when we make the burritos of our Christian walk awesomely perfect. Jesus loves us and that should motivate us to want to do the best that we can for him. You say okay. How does any of this that we just looked at, all of this, this this truth, this biblical content, how does this how does this actually seep through the filter of my own hang-ups? If we're being honest, every single one of us has them. How does it seep through that into how I actually live? Like, how do I actually live with other people in mind? It's very easy for us to say, man, that's awesome. The golden rule, not only do we teach it to our kids, but I should, we should, you should, everybody should live with other people in mind. In fact, that's what a lot of ethics teaches. Even some religions teach about taking care of people. So what makes Christianity different? What makes it different is that when you come to become a follower of Jesus, to get saved, it means that for the first time, you die to yourself. And you remember Galatians chapter 2 in verse 20. And the apostle Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh meaning our everyday life, I live by faith. You see, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Christianity is different because with Jesus we die to ourselves because Jesus has died for us. And it doesn't mean that you become lame. And we've done a terrible job as Christians at putting forth an ideal that is lame, especially for men. Many men think if I become a follower of Jesus Christ, that means that I sleep in a suit. That means I no longer enjoy hunting and fishing and fixing things or building things. It means that I sit around and I play handbells in a robe, then I sleep in my suit. But that's so far from the truth. Like when we look at the Word of God, we see manly, manly, manly men, all oh, true manhood, willing to sacrifice, but willing to give compassion. We see Jesus. And the truth be known, the things that we so love about the people that we love most, those are simply characteristics of Jesus Christ and you see when we die to ourselves it doesn't mean we no longer have desires but it means that old stale dead desires have now been replaced with vibrant real living ones amen church it means that it's no longer just about what we can get but it is about giving our lives for Christ and for the first time once we begin that process of discipleship our view of people begins to change. But it begins with that.